Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Maybe you were in ministry at a point in time, but you were sidelined. And maybe you think, I'm done. I I had my moment and I, I blew it. That's not true. God has future opportunity for you, and He will bring you along, and you just yield yourself back to Him. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Acts, chapter 15, verse 36, through chapter 16, verse 6, in a message titled, A Parting of the Ways. Now, here's Pastor Brian. We have to learn to agree to disagree agreeably. We have to be able to say, well, you know what? I don't see it that way. I don't really agree with that, but I'm not going to become disagreeable, and I'm not going to try to cast aspersions on this person or question the validity of their calling or gifting. Those are the things that our flesh naturally gravitates towards, so we have to fight against it. Sometimes it's a philosophical difference, again, like a philosophy, meaning I think this way about it, and therefore I want to move in this direction. And like I've already alluded to, sometimes it's a temperament difference. You know, people have different temperaments. People have different personalities that weigh in on these things. And, And sometimes it just comes down to they just no longer can see eye to eye on things. But... Here's the third point. Disagreement that leads to separation, if handled maturely, can be beneficial for the greater purpose of the kingdom. And I think when I look at this, I think that in the end, this is one of those things where in God's sovereign purposes, you know, this personality conflict is really in the end going to be beneficial for the kingdom. How is that? Because you've got two strong leaders who are doing everything together, but now they're going to separate. They're still going to be strong leaders. So you're going to have double the effort that you had previously. And I think that's the, the way to understand that, that, you know, sometimes, you know, we might even and I know I, I've done this at times over the years. You know, you're, you're, you're connected with somebody and you're going along side by side and you're doing ministry together. But then, and, and you realize that, man, this person is gifted and, you know, you see that and, you know, there's kind of that mutual recognition. But then there's a point where you realize, you know, we, we could do a lot more if we just went in a little bit of a different direction. But sometimes even the friendship itself will prevent you from doing that. It's like, oh, but no, we, we just want to stick together. And sometimes it can be like a little bit of a disagreement that comes in that, that it starts to stir you up a little bit and make you realize that, well, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's time to do something different. I've seen this happen over and over again, especially in the context of missions. People go out on the mission field, they go out arm in arm, you know, brothers, we're going to go out and conquer this, you know, continent or country for Jesus. And they do that and they do it well. They do it effectively for some time, but then they suddenly have some kind of a disagreement. 
if they can do if they can deal with that maturely and decide to separate maturely actually the 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 ministry can be doubled but again so often there's the tendency to drift back and start to point the finger at the other person and criticize and you know want people to think you're right and they're wrong and all of that so um, we have to recognize that sometimes God allows these things for the purpose of expanding the work. And, and like I'm saying, if we look at it maturely, we can just say, okay, well, yeah, I get it. These guys think this and he thinks that. And therefore, you know, we've got a difference of opinion that's irreconcilable, but it's not a major doctrinal difference. It's just a you know, methodology, philosophy, maybe a bit theological. And we can, we can see it in a positive light instead of in a negative light. Now, so th- those are some of the lessons that you might take away from this. But there are two things that I want to say as we come to a close. Number one, two more personal kinds of things. Number one, the context of all this is obvious as we're talking about. We're talking about ministry. We're talking about two leaders. We're talking about those kinds of things that for you, you're sitting here going, well, how does this relate to me? Because I'm not, you know, I'm not a ministry leader. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a church planter. I'm not that. Well, here's how it relates to you. You are a Christian and you will have disagreements with other Christians at times. It's just part of life. How are you going to handle those disagreements? That's the question. Are you going to handle them maturely and in a Christ-like way, or are you going to handle them immaturely and in a unchrist-like way? Because the sad thing is often when it comes to conflict, personal conflict, a lot of times we just throw out everything that Jesus taught us about how to deal with that stuff, and we just go right into the realm of the flesh. And we try to self-justify. We want everybody to know that we're right and that person's wrong. We want everybody to understand why they should agree with us and not you know, side with that person. And then we look just like anybody else. You know, People are looking on like, wow, that's what Christians do? And this happens all the time. This is not uncommon. And with this picture here, one of the things we see for us practically and personally is this is how you handle a disagreement. You might disagree. How do you handle it? Well, you handle it just like this. You don't demonize the other person. You don't try to, you know, set up sides and make people choose whose side you're going to be on. You do your best to disagree amicably. Just say, you know, we, we just see differently on that. And you keep your focus on, you know, they, they had to keep their focus on the mission. And on a more personal level, we have to keep our focus on, you know, I want to keep growing in the Lord. I want to keep walking forward in the Lord. Because the reality is things like unforgiveness and bitterness and these kinds of conflicts and things, these things, if they are allowed to go the way of the flesh, they will strangle your life spiritually. They'll, they will choke the very life of the spirit right out of you. And although you'll be a Christian, you'll be a miserable Christian. 
and you'll be the kind of Christian that nobody really wants to be around because you're so miserable. And you'll be a troublemaking Christian as well because you know, you're spreading gossip and rumors and all, all of that kind of stuff. That, that happens. But here we see two men, who's right, who's wrong, who knows? That's not the point. How did they handle the separation? They handled it maturely. They handled it in the right way. And so we want to take away that personal lesson there. And, you know, as I, as I was saying about the more, you know, ministry kinds of things, one of the biggest problems in the entire history of the Christian church has been division. It's a huge problem, and it's something that Jesus is obviously grieved over because his prayer in John chapter 17 over and over again was for unity. Father, I pray that they would be one even as we are one. And so all of the division that has existed throughout the long history of the church, and and so much of it is with us today. And it's not, division is not simply that there's this denomination and that denomination and this other denomination. Those don't necessarily have to be understood as division in the negative sense. Because you can actually appreciate different denominations and their emphasis on minor things that you differ with them on, but recognize simultaneously that, you know what, regardless of that, they're still God's people. They're still serving the Lord. They're still being used for the expansion of the kingdom. And so, although I don't want to join their denomination, I can say, well, God bless that denomination because God's using them in a way that he's not using us. And he's using us in a way that, that he's not using them. So as long as there's agreement on the, the core doctrines of salvation, the person of Christ and God and the Bible and you know, faith and redemption and all that, as long as there's agreement on that, then we can have these other disagreements. But we shouldn't, like I'm saying, we shouldn't demonize the other group. We have to be careful. So I think I mentioned to you that a few weeks ago we had a meeting here where there were about 20 different pastors from churches in the county and just working on building relationships. And, you know, we've actually just been thinking about, there's 3 million people in Orange County, 3.3 million apparently. And, you know, how do you reach 3.3 million people? Well, the truth of the matter is no one church is going to do that, right? But we, we need to understand that we're all the church. So our question in this group of guys that I've been spending some time with is, you know, how can we partner together for the furtherance of the gospel in our county? And so we got together and we've talked and we've prayed about it. And, and you know, here's what we thought. We thought, well, rather than put on a big event and say, hey, we're all doing this together. We're partnering together. Rather than doing that, we're all busy. Nobody has time for another event. We said, why don't we do this? Why don't we just develop friendships amongst ourselves and just build a natural connection? And then when an opportunity comes, we're already connected with each other. And then we'll just sort of naturally partner toward it because we already have the connection. So 
they said, that sounds like a great idea. We all agreed with that together. It sounds like a great idea. So our sort of initial step in doing that was this meeting we had where we had 20 pastors, like I said, and they brought some of their staff in and we prayed together and we worshiped together and we had a little bit of conversation and sharing together. And I, I walked away from that thinking, thank you, Lord, what an amazing time. And I know everybody in the room felt the same way. But the crazy thing is this has become a center of gossip for some Christians. Did you hear what they did at Calvary Costa Mesa? Did you hear what Pastor Brian did? He had other Christians there for fellowship. And that's bad. How is that bad? I don't get that. But, you know, this is the kind of thing that's happening. And, hey, I'm not saying any of this to, you know, justify myself or get anybody, you know, to feel sorry for me or be on my side. God gifted me with the hide of a rhinoceros. I do not care. <laughs> if I cared, I couldn't keep going. But seriously, I, I don't care. I, but it saddens me. It saddens me to think that, really, this is what Christians get together and talk about? They get together and talk about that horrible unity thing that's happening over there? That's sad. That's really pathetic. And so God help us not to do that. God help us not to you know, just have that, that, that kind of mentality. But God help us to just say, Lord, you know, your, your church is big and I thank you that I'm part of it and that we're part of it and we want to bless what you're blessing. And even if we're not doing it, but if you're, you're working, you know, again, when these guys separated, they separated with the full desire that, that one another be blessed. And like I've already pointed out, they came together for further ministry in the future. And, you know, I, I even wonder if, um, because, you know, when you read what Paul says later about Mark, I wonder if at a certain point, Paul might have turned to Barnabas and said, you know, you were right. Yeah, I, I know. I was a bit hard-nosed about that. And, you know, <laughs> he, he might have done that because Barnabas was right, because Mark was restored. And that's the, the final point that I want to make. God gives us room to grow and new opportunities to serve, even if we failed in the past. You know, Barnabas was really, in this case, he was really demonstrating, I think, in a beautiful way, the, the heart of Jesus. Because restoration is the heart of Jesus. And like I said, we don't know why Mark left on that first mission. Um, was he, he was afraid. He, he got overwhelmed. He just felt like it's too rigorous. I can't do it. Whatever. We don't know why he left. But we know that he, he left. I mean, Paul understood that in Paul's mind, he left for the wrong reason. And you know, I am absolutely certain that the devil wanted Mark to think after that point that, man, you had your chance, you had your opportunity to serve God, but you blew it, you left. And the apostle Paul was mad at you. So there's, there's, there's no future ministry for you. I know because that's the way the devil operates. I know that kind of stuff was going through Mark's head. But when Barnabas said, come on, Let's go. We're going to go. 
I'm going to take you now to the places that we've been. And, and Mark went for it. And it just shows the, the restoration and the fact that the Lord is, is looking to bring us beyond our weaknesses and beyond our struggles and beyond our unbelief and beyond our fear and even beyond our sin. Because, you know, some people, they get sidelined because of sin. But guess what? If you repent of that sin, you know what? God will put you back in the game. Maybe not in the same position that you were in before, but, but he'll put you back in the game because that's what he does. He restores. And listen to this. Here's an interesting thing about Mark. Mark, although we've already seen he gets reconciled to Paul and Paul speaks, you know, very favorably toward him. Listen to this. This is from Peter. First Peter 5.13. At the end of Peter's letter, he says this to his, to his audience. He says, she who is in Babylon, he's speaking of either a, a person or maybe the church in a feminine, using the feminine. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. So here's the interesting thing. It seems that Paul... So he took Silas and went his way, and they went to Derby, and there Paul met Timothy. And now for the rest of the story, even though it doesn't appear so much in the book of Acts, we know that Timothy became, Paul would actually refer to him just the exact same way Peter referred to Mark. Mark, my son, Paul would refer to Timothy as his son. So Timothy becomes the person that, that Paul is going to invest everything in and, and sort of pass his ministry off to. But Mark becomes that for Peter. And even though he did turn back at that point, the restoration was that he re-entered ministry with Barnabas, he reconnected with Paul, and then he landed and seemingly more permanently with Peter. And I'm, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but he is the author of the Gospel of Mark, this guy that we're talking about, this guy that left, this guy that Paul said, forget it, we're not taking him with us. You know, No, he blew it. He's the guy who wrote the second Gospel. And that's where you see the, you know, kind of the fullness of the restoration. Now, an early church historian named Eusebius uh, Eusebius said that Mark was the interpreter of Peter. In other words, what scholars, some scholars believe, is that Mark's gospel is really Peter's gospel. You ever wonder why, well, why didn't Peter have a gospel? I mean, he's like the, the guy, right? But there's no gospel according to Peter. There's a gospel according to John. There's a gospel according to Matthew. And of course, Luke. And Mark... He's Peter's son in the, the spiritual sense. And so Eusebius tells us that Mark actually penned the gospel uh, that Peter dictated to him. So point being, you see the beautiful restoration that God brings about and reconciliation and future usefulness and ministry opportunity for Mark. So... Good men, godly men are sometimes going to disagree. And they're going to go in different directions, perhaps methodologically or philosophically, or maybe even have some minor doctrinal differences. 
but God will bless them both. God will bless both directions as long as the focus is on Jesus. And we need to not fall into the trap of the devil and get into that pointing fingers and, you know, they must be wrong and they've got to be right. And here's one side and there's the other and you better get on one side or the other. That's all the flesh. And God help us not to do that. And, and I just want to say this word to any of you today that maybe in just some way Mark's story resonates with you in the sense that you, maybe you were in ministry even at a point in time, but you were sidelined. Maybe you sidelined yourself because of fear or you know, distraction. Maybe, maybe it was even sin that caused you to be sidelined. And maybe you think that, well, there's, there is no, you know, I'm done. I, I, had, my, I had my moment and I, I blew it. That's not true. And let Mark remind you of that. God has future opportunity for you. And he will bring you along and you just yield yourself back to him. And I also want to say, going back to the gospel of Mark, Speaking of the gospel, the gospel, of course, is the primary message initially to the unbeliever that God loves you, that your sin that separated you from God has been taken care of by Jesus on the cross through his death, and that if you receive him into your life, make him your Lord by saying, I believe in you, Jesus. I give you my life. If you do that, then you enter into that blessing of the gospel. You enter into that new life. And if, if you haven't done that, then today's the day. And as I have said many times before, this is a personal decision, personal in the sense that you, you have to decide for yourself. You can't, somebody else can't decide for you. And I say that because oftentimes when you ask a person a question, maybe like, hey, hey, are you a Christian? You know, they, they will give you an answer like, well, my mother is. That is fantastic. Your mother is a Christian. She probably prayed for you. You're probably, maybe you're even here today because your mother prayed for you. And you felt guilty that, about never going to church. And so you're here today. But listen, you have to receive the gospel yourself. And until you receive the gospel... You're on the outside. But the moment you receive the gospel, the moment you receive Jesus, the moment you turn from your own direction in life and turn to him and say, Lord, I receive your forgiveness, he comes into your life. And so maybe you're here today and you've not done that. In just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You know, I had a conversation with a young man last night and um, he's a person who grew up in, you know, with the knowledge of the Lord but has made decisions to do something else. And, you know, he said to me, he said, you know, there's just, I just have all these questions. Oh, you know, why did God do this? And how come he allows that? And, you know, we, we talked about that for a while. And I said, you know, look, I, I understand all of those struggles and those questions, but you could live your whole life and never have those questions satis answered satisfactorily. I said, but, you know, here's the thing. If you come to, if you just give your life to Jesus he will either answer those questions for you in a satisfactory fashion, or you will realize that 
I don't even care about those questions anymore. See, the thing is, coming to Jesus, coming into a relationship with the one who loves you, died for you, rose again, and has a plan for your life. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace Why God is More Than You Expected and Everything You Need by Cheryl Broderson The battle for grace is real The battle rages on for men and women alike And the stakes are high Spiritual well-being, mental health, physical health, emotional health, and social well-being Grace affects every area of your life In her book, A Woman's Battle for Grace, Cheryl Broderson shares practical ways that men and women can draw on the available resources of God's grace. The book, A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.